God bless you. It's good to have everybody here this morning. Turn in your Bible to two passages. We continue our series even on Palm Sunday because it's all about Jesus. Everybody say it's all about Jesus. We're going to, begin, we're going to continue talking about doomsday preppers. How many preppers do we have in the house? Uh, well, I'm not talking about gas masks, as you can see here, or, or storage of, of your food that lasts forever, even though, hey, if you would like to do that, that's awesome. Uh, I'll never forget uh, when we had a hurricane here, a couple, the last hurricane, I got a truckload of, it was before all these doors, before the sanctuaries here, all these garage doors were blown out and, uh, and uh, they were all wide open and everything was kind of winding down. This was all clean in here. And I had a pastor friend of mine call me and say, uh, Pastor Sam, I got a truckload of food here that someone sent. Do you want it? I said, sure. So they backed up here and unloaded a tractor trailer load of uh, kind of love gift boxes, banana boxes full of different stuff that we could give out. But the last half of the entire truckload was Slim Jims. You know, one Slim Jim will go a long way. But we had a half a tractor trailer load of Slim Jims, and I thought, man, I'll survive the Holocaust with Slim Jims. And, you know, because they probably will never go sour on you, Slim Jim. But I gave so much... Uh, everybody that came around, I said, do you like Slim Jims? They said, no. I said, yes, you do. Hell's a case. <laughs> I'm not talking about that when we talk about preparing for the end of days. I'm talking about preparing our life and family from a spiritual perspective. And, and Jesus, uh, when the disciples asked Jesus some all-important questions about those days, in chapter 24 of Matthew, they, he, they asked him, tell us when will these things be? And what will be the sign of your coming? This is verse 3. And of the end of the age. And so for two chapters, Jesus just uncorks on them. And he shares with them a plethora. Everybody say a plethora. A plethora of information that can be misconstrued and misunderstood if it's not taken in the context of, of the totality of Scripture. And last Sunday we looked at that. And let me just say, I really, and I, and I say things sometimes and I'm just wondering if anybody's hearing me. So let me just ask today, before I say what I'm saying, who's hearing me this morning? Okay, so you're hearing me. I, if you weren't here last Sunday, and Josh wasn't, and Josh, by the way, did exactly what I'm going to ask you. I want to encourage you to go to our website, and I think it's, I think you can see me on, I think the video uh, link is there. Ike, is the video up from last Sunday or the audio? I, I really, are you listening? Are you here? Are you hearing me? I really want you to go listen to that message, not because I just want you to hear me talk, but I really believe it's an important introductory uh, insight to this series that all of us need. So sometime during Holy Week, you take a little time to pray and go back to the website and, 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 and just plug in. I think it's on iTunes audio. So just however you want to do it, download it as a podcast. Uh, go back. And then even Wednesday night, because we're building on this for the next few Wednesday nights. Uh, Wednesday night, we, we talked about building deception protection for your church and for your family in the end of days. Very important message for all of us. And so uh, I just, I can't go back and re-preach it, but I want you to get a hold of it. And so with that in mind, are, are you turned to Matthew 24? You're there. Okay, are you, now I want you to turn and hold your place in Revelation 1. And everybody go, ooh, Revelation, ooh. 
Revelation. Matthew 24. I want to look at just a portion of it, though we read it in its entirety last week. I want you to see one thought here that we've, that, that, that coincides with the whole theme of this message. Jesus said this in verse 36. Six, but of that, of that day and hour, no one knows, speaking of the return of Jesus Christ and the end of days, not even the angels in heaven, but my Father only. But as the days of Noah were, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, and until the day that Noah entered the ark, and did not know until the flood came and took them all away, so also will be the coming of the Son of Man be, will be the coming of the Son of Man be. Then two men will be in the field, one will be taken, the other left. Let me just pause and say, I wonder why one was taken, the other one was le left. Think about it. One was ready, one was not, correct? Then he says, two women will be grinding in the mill, one will be taken, the other left. Undoubtedly, one woman was ready and one was not. And he says, watch therefore. Everyone say, watch therefore. For you do not know what hour the Lord is coming. But know this. Everybody say, know this. Now, this... When Jesus says, you better know this, he's not suggesting, you better know this. This is something you must know. Not think you know, not maybe you know, but you know. Everybody say, you got to know this. Look at your neighbor and say, you better listen up, you better know this. But know this, that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. Therefore, you also be ready. Everybody say, be ready. Everybody say it like, uh, uh, oh, T.D. Jakes. Get ready, get ready, get ready. You got to be ready. Therefore, you also be ready. For the Son of Man is coming at an hour that you do not expect. See, when you expect it, you won't ex be, if you're expecting him, uh, that's kind of a, I'm expecting him, but hey, understand, regardless of how confident we are, he's going to come at a time when it's just going to surprise us. So in every way and in every, uh, with every uh, capacity within us, we need to be ready, prepared for the end of days. In fact, Jesus spent a little time after he said that. He talked about three, really three parables, the faithful servant and the evil servant. And then he gave another parable in chapter 25, the parable of the wise and the foolish virgins. And then in verse 14 of 25, a rather long parable that we'll probably look at in more detail later, the parable of the talents. All of them undergirding and underscoring that, that verse in verse 44. He says, verse 44, be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. And then for many, many, ver <coughs> pardon me, many, many verses, he underscores that with, with illustration that you and I must be prepared and we must be ready for the end of days and the return of Jesus Christ to planet earth. Amen. So, we've got to be ready. First and foremost, we need to understand. And let me just ask you, are you ready for the return of Jesus Christ to planet Earth? 
You've got to be ready. You've got to be prepared, all of us. And this book, Matthew 24, and really the book of Revelation, and if you'd like to turn there to the first chapter, it's really all about Jesus Christ returning to planet Earth and, and the end of days. But I want you to see some things this morning. And, and Revelation 1, I'm, I'm tempted to read it all. Can I read it all? Let me look at the clock. Can I read it all? I'm going to read it all. I'm going to read the whole chapter. Don't, 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 don't let me lose you. You know, in this days when you got to say it, how many characters on Twitter do you have to say it in? 180? 160 characters? This is a few more that you can't tweet chapter one. All right. So here we go. And, and here's what I want you to see. The first one, two, three, four, five words. The revelation of Jesus Christ. Here we go. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants, things which must shortly take place. And he sent and signified it by his angel to his servant John, who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, to all things that he saw. Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things written in it, for the time is near." It's hard for me not to commentary on this. It's the only book that comes with an added blessing if you read it, hear it, and respond to it. Interesting. Verse 4, John, to the seven churches who are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come. Everybody say, he is. Everybody say, he was. Everybody say, and he is to come. Man, that's the theme. Everybody look at your neighbor and say, he's coming again. He's coming again. And now, I may not get your theology about when he's coming all together. In fact, remember, Jesus didn't answer the question when. They wanted to know when. Jesus didn't answer the question when. I think ultimately all of us, will, it's a bit of a mystery as to when, even though we can see the times and the seasons, but he was and is and is to come. And from the seven spirits who are before God, which basically is just a, a prophetic uh, way of talking about the Holy Spirit. You look in Revelation, you'll see seven is the, is the number of perfection. And so don't get all thrown off about the seven spirits of God and trying to figure them all out. Most theologians believe he's just talking about the Holy Spirit, which may have seven different manifestations, something along those lines. That's where I don't really want to go in this series. So uh, I'll just mention those to you. Uh, and we'll move along. He says this. He says, And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead and the ruler of all the... And we're going to look at this in detail. The firstborn from the dead and the ruler of all the kings of the earth to him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. And if you like any of this, you can say amen as we read. And has made us kings and priests to our God and Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Everybody say that word. Amen. Behold, he is coming. Oh, my goodness. Here it is again. And behold, he is what? He's coming with clouds and every eye will see him. Even they who pierced him and all the tribes of the earth will mourn because of him. Even so, amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. Everybody say he is. Everybody say he was. Everybody say he is to come. 
I, John, both your brother and companion in the tribulation and in the kingdom and the patience of Jesus Christ, was on the island that is called Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. In other words, he was banished there because of his witness. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, and I heard behind me a loud voice as a trumpet saying, I am the Alpha and the Omega. I wish I had a trumpet I could just, or a bullhorn or something to give him a little added emphasis. It was like a trumpet saying, I am the Alpha and the Omega. Omega, the first and the last. And what you see, write in a book and send it to the seven churches which are in Asia, to Ephesus, to Smyrna, to Pergamos, to Thyatira, to Sardis, to Philadelphia, and to Laodicea. Then I turned to see, now you catch this, then I turned to see the voice that spoke with me. And having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And in the midst of the seven lampstands, which by the way are the churches that he just referenced, one like the Son of Man, somebody say hallelujah, One like the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to his feet and girded about his chest with a golden band. And his head and hair, his head and hair were like white wool, as white as snow. And his eyes were like a flame of fire. And his feet were like fine brass, as is refined in a furnace. And his voice is the sound of many waters. And he had in his right hand seven stars. And out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword. And his countenance was like the sun shining in its strength. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. But he laid his right hand on me and said to me, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am he who lives and was dead. And behold, I'm alive forevermore. Hey. Up from the grave he arose with a mighty triumph o'er his foes. He arose a victor from the dark domain and he lives forever with his saints to reign. He said, I am he who lives and was dead and behold, I'm alive forevermore, amen. And I have the keys to Hades and death. Write the things which you have seen and the things which, you, uh, which are and the things which will take place after this. And the mystery of the seven stars which you saw in my right hand and the seven golden lampstands. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches. And the seven lampstands which you saw are the seven churches. And everybody said, Amen. This book of Revelation is not just a book about the end of days, though it is. And you get into the middle of it and you'll go, ooh, man. But what you'll see throughout this book is the first five words, the revelation of Jesus Christ. Because understand something about the end of days. It's not about earthquakes and trouble and trauma. It's about Jesus Christ coming back to planet earth. And being victorious over death, hell, and the grave. And victorious over the devil. I love the end of the book. They throw the devil in the bottomless pit for a period of a thousand years. Somebody say amen. I've read the end. We win. And so... Here's what I want you to understand today. I want you to realize that we've got to have a revelation of Jesus in our life. We've got to have a revelation of the gospel in our life. I, I, I think of Daniel. In Daniel 7, Daniel had a very similar uh, re, uh, revelation of, the, of, of Christ. And, and it describes him in detail in Daniel 7. And he was called in that prophetic uh, uh, revelation, the ancient of days. Now, that's an interesting insight that we see from 
Daniel and he had, and he described the Lord of glory. And here's my big idea. Here's my takeaway for all of us today. Uh, and I want you to get a hold of it this morning. Today's takeaway. And I don't know, uh, What's going on? If uh, the pri- oh, I missed that. It's the priority of preparation. Are you ready for the return of Jesus Christ to planet Earth? Revelation is a book primarily about who? Jesus. Everybody say it's all about him. And what happened to John when he had a revelation of Jesus? He was what? He was overwhelmed. I've heard people say I had a revelation of Jesus, and and listen, when you come in into his presence the way John came into his presence. There's not going to be high-fiving, checking Facebook. And he fell at his feet as a dead man because he was overwhelmed. And here's my takeaway today about the end of days and how we're going to make it through the end of days. And and, and, And here it is, to not be overwhelmed by the end of days. We must be overwhelmed by the ancient of days. We gotta follow in the footsteps of John and in the footsteps of those who, who have fellowshiped with him and who have seen him. And we, and, and you go to Isaiah. What happened in Isaiah when he, he found himself in the, in the heavenlies? He was overwhelmed by the power and the presence of Almighty God. And John, when he, found, when he heard him, he turned to see him and all his majesty and all his glory. And I love this. I mentioned it last week. You know, John saw him in detail. Did you know John was up close and personal at the cross? He saw his bloodied body. He saw his pierced hands and his pierced feet. He saw him at his weakest moment as he took upon himself the sins of all humanity. But I'm telling you, he had a fresh revelation of Jesus Christ. He wasn't on the cross. How many of you know Jesus didn't stay on the cross? They took him down. Three days later, up from the grave he arose. He went into the, he went into the tomb, the sacrificial lamb, and he came out, the chief shepherd of the sheep, and the king of kings and the lord of lords. And when John saw him, he was glorious and majestic. And he fell down at his feet as dead, and he saw his feet as burnished brass. No longer, no longer capable of taking a nail in its feet because how many of you know he only had to die once for the sins of all of us? And if we want to move through the end of days with great confidence, we can't let them overwhelm us. Some of us get overwhelmed about so little things. Little things overwhelm us. The word overwhelm means to be inundated and overpowered by. Some of us get inundated and overpowered by some of the simplest little, uh, meaningless little circumstances of life. And they overpower us and they overwhelm us. You know, we sing a song about the presence of God and not letting the things of this world overwhelm you. But we've got to be overwhelmed by Him. We've got to be inundated by His power and His presence and and by His person in our life. We've got to see Him and have a revelation of Jesus in our life where we know who He is. Just like Jesus said, you better know this. We need to know Him like never before. It's all about Jesus. And so, let's say this together. To not be overwhelmed. Come on, everybody out loud with me. To not be overwhelmed by the end of days. We must be overwhelmed by the ancient of days. Now that, you might could tweet that. I haven't counted it up, 
but it's possible. We've got to be overwhelmed by him. John was not overwhelmed by what he saw because he first had been overwhelmed by Jesus. When you get, when you get a revelation of Jesus, everything else is, 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 is easy going once you understand who he is and you embrace him in your life. And so today I want to show you some things from the scripture that I see John saw and how he interacted and, and what overwhelmed him. You see, here's the interesting thing about John. He was not only overwhelmed by the presence of Jesus, he was overwhelmed by the person of Jesus. And, and, and we've, got to, we've got to embrace that too. It's great to get into the presence of God. Man, I love to be, we're going to talk about that. We get into his presence, but man, you know how, you, you got to get into the book to be overwhelmed by his person. To know who he is and to embrace the totality of who Jesus is. And, and John, in his revelation of Jesus, he, he, was, he was overwhelmed by the presence to the point that he fell down as a dead man. But as you read the words, you realize he was overwhelmed by his person. And who he was. And let me just give you some insight about the presence and the person. John was overwhelmed. He was inundated, if you will. He was overpowered by, number one, the faithful, the forever faithfulness of God. Look what he said in verse 5. And by the way, verse 5 and 6 is chock full of revelation about who Jesus is. He said this in verse 5. He said, well, let me read verse 4 again. John, to the seven churches who are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come and from the seven spirits who are before his throne and from Jesus Christ. Now, he, now he's jumping right in into this revelation of his person to Jesus Christ, the faithful witness. Everybody say the faithful witness. That word witness really could be better translated the faithful martyr. The one who laid his life down for the sins of all humanity. The crux of the gospel. That Jesus Christ came and died. In fact, John remembered and he wrote it down in John chapter 10 verse 17 and 18. You can look it up later. John, John writes the words of Jesus where Jesus basically says this. No man took my life from me. I gave it up. You can't, you can't take it away. I freely laid it down. And the first thing that we see John the revelator is overwhelmed by not only the presence but the person of Jesus who came and willingly laid his life on the altar of sacrifice for the sins of all humanity. My friend, that ought to overwhelm us. He came for me and he came for you. Whew. He's a faithful witness. John was overwhelmed by that. I don't know about you, but I'd be overwhelmed if Jim laid his life down for me one day. That'd be overwhelming. That'd be hard to understand. I'd be overwhelmed if, if, if Josh would lay down his young, healthy, prosperous life for an old, gray-headed man like me. That'd be overwhelming to me. And Jesus did it for every man, every woman, every child. Red and yellow, black and white. They're all precious in his sight. John was overwhelmed by his forever faithfulness. And number two, he was overwhelmed by his omnipotent authority, his forever 
authority, His authority that is above and beyond all other authority. He says in verse 5, And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler over all the kings of the earth. You see, John knew something about Jesus. He had authority over death, hell, and the grave. And if he didn't, if he had forgotten that, Jesus told him, I am he who lives, verse 18, and was dead, and behold, I'm alive forevermore. Amen. And I have the king, the keys of hell and death. John was overwhelmed by the omnipotent authority of Jesus Christ. He wasn't just a king. He was king of all kings. He had authority over death and he has authority over every dominion, every other governance. And the Bible says this, and this ought to overwhelm us today because of Jesus Christ who lives in our heart. The Bible says in that day, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he's Lord. To the glory of God the Father. John the Revelator was overwhelmed by his forever faithfulness. He was overwhelmed by his omnipotent authority. Number three, he was overwhelmed by his sacrificial love. In verse five, he says, From Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, the ruler over the kings of the earth, to him who loved us. Now John understood and had embraced the love of God. He had been loved by Jesus. In fact, did you know John, when he wrote John, the gospel of John, and by the way, some people don't believe that John's gospel, it's the same John who wrote Revelations. I happen to, Revelation, I happen to believe that it's the same one. Again, I, I don't want to go there, but. When you read the Gospel of John, I think five times when he's writing this, he kind of writes in third person. He's careful not to mention himself in the context, and he would say, and the disciple whom Jesus loved. He's talking about himself. He knew Jesus loved him. In fact, some say, and I believe it to be true, when you look at the life of Jesus, John was his best friend. And John understood the love of God, but he didn't understand it until he saw. Now, you've got to understand. Peter denied the Lord, not John. He stood right there while they whipped him and beat him and battered him and bruised him and broke him. Right there holding on to Mary, the mother of Jesus. And he knew it was all because of his love for every human on planet Earth. He was overwhelmed by how much Jesus loved him. We need to raise up our children where they're overwhelmed not only by our love but by the love of Jesus. John was overwhelmed, inundated, and overpowered by the forever faithfulness of God and of Jesus and the omnipotent authority of Jesus and his sacrificial love. And number four, he was overwhelmed by the purifying power of his own blood, Jesus' own shed blood. He said, and from Jesus, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead and the ruler over the kings of the earth to him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. 
Let me just put us there. Could I just put us there at the foot of the cross? When he was hung up for our hang-ups. And Mary, the mother of Jesus, drew near and understand something. This was a very bloody experience. And in my mind, I know that Mary, the mother of Jesus, must have clung to her son. And though his very blood covered her garments and then John the revelator John the revelator who then was just John the beloved took the mother and you know Jesus said from the cross he said now John she belongs to you you take care of her and in my mind I pictured John on that terrible dark day ushering his new mother if you will Back to her humble abode. Both of them splattered and bloody from that gruesome experience. And John was overwhelmed by the power that's in the blood. Because if you were a good Jewish boy or girl, you knew that it's the shedding of blood that provides remission of sin. Oh, precious is the flow that makes us white as snow. That's overwhelming. John was overwhelmed by not only the presence of Jesus, but by the person of Jesus. And not only was he overwhelmed by his purifying power of the shed blood, and, and he realized and was an eyewitness to the brutality of the cross, but he was also overwhelmed by the transforming power of Jesus because verse 6 says, this one who, who loved us, this one who has authority over death, hell, and the grave, this one who is a faithful witness, who washed us white as snow with his own blood, he made us kings and priest to our God. He realized that man, Jesus has a wonderful power to transform our lives. Now, think about John, where he was. He was on the island called Patmos and I've never been there. I, Jack Hayford told us the other day in Branson he'd been there four or five times and he said, believe me, there's nothing there. You don't want to go there other than to know that's where John the Revelator wrote the book of Revelation. There's nothing glorious about the isle called Patmos. There's nothing uh, majestic about the isle called Patmos other than the place where Jesus made himself manifest to John and where John the Revelator, banished to the isle called Patmos, stood in his heart and said, he made me a king and a priest to God. You see, his circumstance did not affect who he knew, who, uh, how he looked to who he was because of what Christ had done in his life. Listen, when Jesus, when you get a revelation of Jesus, you need to understand this. When you really get a revelation of Jesus, things begin to change in your life. If nothing has changed, I would question if anything really happened to you when you said you were born again. Because the Bible says when we become born again, He makes us a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. Amen. John was overwhelmed by that. Who, me? A king and a priest? Look around you this morning. If, if the people around you are born again, they're kings and priests to our God. 
We're not toe jam. Come on. We're not belly lint. We're not good for nothing. Hey, we're kings and priests to our God. I don't care what your mama told you, your daddy told you. Some of you are scarred by what somebody in the past told you you were. But I'm telling you, if you'll get a, whole, if you'll get a revelation of Jesus, you'll begin to realize I'm not what I used to be. I'm not just a nobody. I'm not a bum. I'm not a good for nothing. I'm not a dope addict. I'm not an alcoholic. I'm a king and a priest to my God. My Lord. And when you get a revelation of that, boom, things change. You struggle with things in your life you can't get the victory over. You just need to spend some time with Jesus. I just can't seem to get the victory. You're not spending time with Jesus. I can't seem to kick this. You're not spent. Come on. When you spend time with Jesus, things change. Some of you have been being counseled all your life long. I'm getting close now. And you've had people tell you this, tell you that. I'm telling you, you get into the presence of Jesus. You stay there till you come out a different person. Transform your life. Woo! And then finally he was overwhelmed by the promise and the reality of the return of Jesus Christ to planet earth. Verse 7, he says this, Behold, he is coming. Somebody say, he is coming. He said, he is coming. In fact, if we had time, we'd go to the end of the book. You go to the end of the book. You know what the last words of Jesus were in the end of the book? You know what the last red says in the end of the book? Does anybody know what the last red says in the end of the book? The last red where Jesus said is this, I'm coming quickly. How many of you know his last words are the important ones? I'm coming quickly. And he was overwhelmed by that promise. and He had got it. He's coming again. Are you ready? You see, if you don't want to be overwhelmed by the end of days, you and I have got to be overwhelmed by the ancient of days. Following the footsteps of John the Revelator. And began to experience his forever faithfulness, his omnipotent authority, his sacrificial love, his purifying power, his transforming power, and the promise of his soon coming return. Now, I think about John, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to give you a couple of things pretty quickly because the hour eludes us. I think about John and what put him there, and there's a lot, the, you know, a lot of us look at our circumstances as a problem. I think John's was a plan. Think about it. What we might look in our life as a problem, God might look like as a plan. And here's John banished to the Isle called Patmos. There's not much, there's no fellow, the, certainly not very good internet on Patmos. OMG, what in the world are we going to do? There's no internet access. And he's on the aisle called Patmos. And he has this revelation of Jesus. But what put him there? Why was it God's plan? Let me just give you three thoughts about John. Why did he have this glorious opportunity to be the one? To be able to experience the Lord in such a glorified, majestic way. What put him at the place where he was overwhelmed by the presence of Jesus and then overwhelmed by the per per person of Jesus to the point that he fell down as a dead man? What was it? Let me give you three thoughts. 
I believe John's opportunity, the opportunity for him to be there that day, to be overwhelmed by the presence of Jesus and, and be able to experience that glorious revelation and be able to fall at the feet of Jesus. The first thought I think of is, is what put him there is because he, number one, he stood up for the Lord. The reason he had the opportunity to fall down is because in the life that he lived, he stood up for Jesus. And it put him on the aisle called Patmos. Listen, it was the plan. It was not, it was not punishment. It was a plan. Listen, what you may look as a problem, God may look at as a plan. And he stood up for Jesus and could have tell you today, as we come to the close of this service in just a few moments, could have tell you today, in the end of days, God is looking for men and women, young men, young women, teenagers, children, who in the end of days, when trouble and trauma is all around, they will stand up for him. And if you stand up for him, he'll stand up for you. And I believe John the Revelator was there because he stood up. He didn't bow to the brutish, strong arm of religiosity. He embraced what God had for him. And he said, whatever it cost, whatever the, uh, the, 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 the pain or the trauma, I'm standing up for Jesus in the middle of a world that is trying to suppress the truth and unrighteousness. And in these last days, if we had time, we'd go back to Matthew 24. One of the signs of the end. Matthew 24, verse 12. It says, because lawlessness will abound. That's sin. Lawlessness will abound. We're talking about the end of days. I'm telling you, we're living in a, in a culture where lawlessness abounds. And it says, because lawlessness will abound, listen to me, the love of many will grow cold. And what we need today is men and women, children, teenagers, young people, who will say, not me, my friend. When lawlessness abounds, I'm not going to let the love of God grow cold. I'm standing up for Him. No matter the cost. I believe what put John there that day to experience that glorious revelation was because he stood up. Number two, he stood in. What do you mean, pastor, he stood in? Verse 10 says, and I love this, if there was ever a reason not to have to go to church, it was John had a good reason. There's nobody there. I guess they're postponing church today. John said, all by himself. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. Aren't you glad? He was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. We wouldn't be talking about this today if he wasn't in the Spirit on the Lord's day. You see, the reason he had that opportunity, number one, he stood up. Number two, he took his stand in the Spirit. I want to say in the Spirit. On the Lord's day. Say on the Lord's day. Now, that little bitty word, I've said it a hundred times, I'm going to say it again. That little bitty word, in, is the biggest word you'll ever find in the New Testament. It means in a fixed position. Everyone say fixed position. He didn't allow his circumstances to knock him off of who he was or what he did. He said, I was in fixed position, the Spirit on the Lord's day. And I saw the Lord. That's how you see the Lord. You get in the Spirit. 
Quit walking in the flesh. And start walking in the Spirit. Began to be spiritual and not fleshly. Began to appropriate what the cross was all about. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him and by his stripes we are healed. We can walk a righteous life. And John the Revelator had the glorious opportunity to be overwhelmed by the power and the presence of Jesus because he stood up for him and he stood, he took his stand in the presence of God and he worshipped the Lord. He was in the Spirit. Some of you, when that happens to you, it's more of a fluke rather than a lifestyle. It ought to be our daily life to be walking in the Spirit, especially on the Lord's day. And he saw the Lord. John the Revelator stood up, he stood in, and number three, he stood out. To God, he stood out. To Jesus, he stood out. He, he refused to let his circumstances govern his inner man. And let me just give you three thoughts. How many of you know, some people just stand out in the crowd, right? Now, how many of you know God chooses the weak things of the world to confound the wise? You know, you, you, know, he, he, you, you, can, you can live a life that causes you to stand out to God. And that's the way John had evidently been living his life. He stood out. Number one, he remained committed to the core purpose of God for his life. In fact, verse 2, it says about him, he says this. He said, this message was sent and signified by his angel to his servant John. He didn't say even to, to me, John. He wrote it to his servant John who bore witness to the Word of God. And I'm telling you, that means he bore witness. He got a hold of it. He believed it. He applied it. He, uh, he apprehended the Word and the will of God for his life. He remained committed to the cause of Christ for his life. Amen. He didn't deny the Lord at Calvary. He stayed committed through it all. And then just as a side note, he remained committed to the Lord's day. Listen, every day ought to be the Lord's day, but I want to tell you, there ought to be at least one day in your day that's the Lord's day. And it's the week beginning, by the way. Sunday's the week beginning. It's not the weekend. Everybody look at your neighbor and say, Sunday's not the weekend. Tell them with a little arrogance, a little cock. Sunday's not the weekend. It's not the weekend. Now, I know some of you are going, oh, yes, it is, brother. you be messing with my holy weekend. He stayed committed. Let me tell you something. We're going to talk about this later. But he stayed committed through it all. Number two, he remained, I love this one. He remained collected. Everybody say collected. You ever heard this? You've got to be cool. And you've got to be cool, calm. And collected. The word collected basically means this, not perturbed or distracted. Most of us live our life perturbed and distracted. John the Revelator on the alcohol Patmos could have been perturbed and distracted. Come on, can, I be, can we talk just for a minute? Most of you, you walk around going, Hallelujah. But inside you're going. <laughs> and 
Am I right? Hey, ladies, isn't it right about your husband? Come on, mom. He tries, but inside he's... <laughs> Guys, isn't it right? You, your wife's trying. She's trying. Yes, dear. And the inside she's going... Yeah, Lord. Listen, if you want to have a revelation of Jesus, you've got you to remain committed. You've got to remain collected. You've got to be cool, calm, and collected, not perturbed by the circumstances of your life, not always uh, got a burr under your saddle, an issue with somebody, and hurts and pain. You know, you just, come on now. Get out of that business. It's the end of days, for goodness sakes. Can you imagine Jesus coming back and catch you going? <laughs> he remained collected through it all. He stayed cool, calm, and collected to the point that he said, it says he bore witness to the testimony of Jesus and to all things that he saw. And listen, we read what he saw. He saw. Read some of the things he, that he saw and you go, what was that? And through it all, I don't know what that is, but I'll do my best to describe it. It's got a lot of horns. It's got a lot of eyes. It's pretty scary. I believe that's one of the reasons that, hey, he stood out. He remained committed. He remained collected. And finally, and we're about done, he remained connected. He stayed connected to God. But listen to this. Ooh, I love this. We're going to hit this hard. When he, you know what he said when he finished up this message? He said this. He said, or, or when he began this message and he wrote, he didn't say, to, verse 9, I, John, the apostle of God. No. He said, I, John, both your brother and companion in the tribulation. Everybody say brother and companion. Now there's John all by himself on the Isle called Patmos. And he's writing a letter to his brothers. And though he was disconnected physiologically, he stayed connected in his heart to his brothers and his companions in ministry. And if there's one thing that I could say today even about that, and we'll talk about it more, the last thing you want to do in the end of days is get disconnected from the family of faith. But it ha it's going to happen rampantly. Many will lose the faith, and many will, the love of many will grow cold. Why? They're out of the fellowship. And when you hear voices telling you, and you will hear voices telling you, you mark my words in the days before you, you will hear words that will come to you to try to get you offended at the church, try to get you offended at the preacher, try to get you offended at others in the family of faith, and try to get you to think. And, and there's a culture today that says, I don't need anybody. I can do it all my own. When you start hearing those voices, you better listen to this old bow-legged, gray-headed, cranky preacher and say, I remember what he said that day, that that's the spirit of the enemy trying to move me out of the connection that I have not only with Christ but with the family of Christ because listen he's coming back for his bride not for us 
splintered, messed up bunch of divorcees spiritually who have divorced themselves from the church and they think they're so special that they don't need everybody else. Now, I know I'm talking to the choir today, but I had to get that off my chest. Woo! Let's stand up. I got one minute. No, I got one second. Let's stand up. I got a lot to say. I could go on for hours. Somebody say, bless him, Jesus. Now, let's bow our heads and close just for a moment because what, what overwhelmed Jesus. Listen, we're going to close with this song. John the Revelator was overwhelmed by the power and the presence and the person of Jesus Christ. And when he heard the voice, he turned and saw the Lord. Today, whether we have the kind of revelation John had, hey, I hope we all can. But it's not going to happen while we're checking Facebook. We've got to get in the Spirit on the Lord's Day. We've got to stay committed, connected. Just look to Him. Isaiah saw Him. He was overwhelmed. I believe every, this week especially, folks, come on. We've got to spend time in the presence of God. Turn our eyes to Him. Get a fresh revelation again this morning. Let's sing it together. I saw the Lord. Thank you, Jesus.
lift our hearts, lift our hands, lift our voices to God and just begin to allow Him His way in our life today. Just allow His presence and His person. Some of you need to embrace the authority of Jesus in your life in a greater way than ever before. There may be some here today. You need to embrace the cleansing flow, the forgiveness of God in your life. Father, today we embrace you in this place. We declare your holiness in our life. We declare, Lord God, that even in this place today, we want to see you. Not just today, but every day. Lord, we want to be in the Spirit on the Lord's day. Lift our hearts and lift our voices to you. Give you glory. Now, before we leave with every head bowed and every eye closed, just for one moment just give me one moment to just ask if you're here today and you've never given your life to Christ you've never bowed before him in your heart and said I need you in my life to be my Lord and my leader you've never asked him into your heart with every head bowed and every eye closed just for a moment you can follow the footsteps of millions who have gone before you even recently, some in this church who just walked into the presence of God and said, I need you in my life. We are in His presence today. If you're here and you just can know that I don't know that I really belong to Him, that I've never given Him my life, but today if you'll lead me, Pastor, I'll willingly come before the feet of Jesus and give Him my heart and life and invite Him into my life. If that's you today and you can say, Pastor, that's me today. I need to know that I know that I know Him. If that's you, just lift your hand wherever you are. No one's looking at God's looking. Just lift your hand. If you're here today, just wave it at me. Anyone here? You can say, Pastor, that's me. I just need to know for sure that Jesus Christ lives in my heart. Anyone? Finally today, if you're here and you know that you're a Christian, but you've not been serving Him, you've wandered away and you've yielded to those voices that have that have tugged you away from the love of God in your life and you've begun to fall in love with things that do not satisfy and you know you need to come back to God. If that's you, lift your hand wherever you are and say, that's me, Pastor. Today, I want to come home to Him. I want you to lift your hand and just wave it at me. Anyone here? I'm not going to embarrass you, but I want to pray for you right where you are. I know I'm not where I need to be. Amen. Father, today as we close out this service, May we all have a revelation of Jesus. If there's anyone here that is lost and without you but has not lifted their hand, I pray today would not go by, that the sun would not set before they bow their hearts before you and ask you to come into their hearts and be the Lord and the leader of their life and to embrace the gospel. The gospel that says you died for our sins and you rose again so we could have new life. Lord, if there are those that are listening today and even those by way of the internet or by way of even delayed taped services, Lord, who have not given their life to Christ, I pray they would respond today. In fact, we're all going to pray together just for those that may be listening or may listen later. Let's pray this prayer. Everyone together say, Dear Lord Jesus, we thank you for dying for us, paying for our sin with your own blood. We ask you to forgive us of our sin. Forgive me of my sin. And cleanse my life. I invite you into my life. To be my Lord and leader. 
for the rest of my life. And I thank you today that I'm now your child. In Jesus' name, everybody said, Amen.